0: News of the Times, Serial Killer Saturdays, Joseph Philippe, the French Ripper. Welcome to News of the Times. Today's episode looks at brutal crimes of what has historically become known as the French Ripper. Joseph Philippe, but which at the time were referred to as the Terror of Paris. The brutal series of murders took place in Paris some twenty-five years earlier than Whitechapel Jack. A thirst for blood that targeted unfortunates in the lower classes of Paris was a hallmark of Philippe, similar to Whitechapel Jack, but Philippe did not limit himself to one small area of Paris. Known at the time as the Terror of Paris, Philippe's Proven killing spree lasted some three years. He was suspected in the end of having killed at least 23 women, although there are questions of potentially many more in Algiers as reports spread of several mysterious deaths during his time there. The Life and Crimes of the French Ripper is today's serial killer Saturdays. We hope you enjoy the show. In 1888, whilst London was dealing with the horrific crimes of Jack the Ripper, and police, papers and the public were trying to come to grips with the series of grisly murders found on the streets of Whitechapel, the evening news recalled a similar, if not worse, series of killings that had taken place in Paris, Some twenty-five years previously, the French Ripper. From the evening news, the twelfth of October, eighteen eighty eight. On the morning of January the ninth, eighteen sixty six, the inhabitants of the French capital were thrown into a state of consternation by the report of a crime which was the tenth of its kind committed within the space of the previous three years. The murder of Marie Bordeaux, closing the series of ten, had been perpetrated with a boldness that became appalling. He had selected a victim on the ground floor in the very premises which was occupied by the police station. This murder took place notwithstanding his knowledge of the police being in possession of a detailed description of his appearance, which had been furnished more than eighteen months before, by a girl who, by singular instance of presence, had escaped his clutches. Nor was his appearance such as to pass unnoticed in a crowd, without laying much stress on the thick black hair and beard, the latter of which he might have shaved, if he had wished, Joseph-Philippe as he turned out to be, was deeply pitted with smallpox and had, in addition, a tattoo mark on the right arm impossible to be effaced. Nevertheless, he had managed to baffle the police for three years, during which at least ten human beings had been done to death by him. During this time, A number of mutilated and truncated corpses had been found in various out-of-the-way places of the metropolis, for, um, unlike Jack the Ripper, Philippe neither confined himself to one particular neighbourhood, nor to one particular mode of procedure. His lust for blood was induced by what has already been termed erotic catalepti, and complicated by cupidity, although the latter was merely a means to an end. In other words, to obtain the wherewithal to indulge in his debauches and his cravings for intoxicants. There is, however, no doubt that the height of his fiendish lasciviousness was the agony of his victims as they Weltered in their blood. Consequently, he did not disdain to track his prey among the better class of unfortunates, but to use a vulgar expression, everything was fish that came to his net. Home or no home to which to take him was a matter of indifference as long as he saw his way to accomplish his all pervading idea, murder, under the pretext of caressing. None felt safe, and the newspapers of the time had to record a panic throughout the whole of Paris, similar to that which I have already mentioned as prevailing in the neighbourhood of Whitechapel. So much was this the terror of Paris between 1863 and 1866. Unlike Jack the Ripper, descriptions which were vague, the police had detailed accounts of the man they were looking for. Much was made of his pock-marked face and the tattoo on his arm, born under a bad star. Although Philippe is aware that the police have a detailed description of him, he has no issue whatever of killing one of his targets in the same building shared by the police. Philip had been in the regiment where he served honourably for a time. He reportedly had a love for absinthe. With his misdeeds whilst in the service, he was sent to Algeria for a year as punishment. Here, some of the local prostitutes mysteriously vanish or are found slaughtered. From the Evening News, the 12th of October, 1888. The prisoner's appearance and antecedents correspond with the last epoch of his history. He's a short, thick-set man, with black hair, closely cut beard and moustache, low forehead, deep-set eyes, thick lips and a generally ferocious look, although dressed in the garb of a well-to-do workman. According to eyewitnesses, The prisoner, notwithstanding his scarred face, is by no means repulsive. His features, when unmoved by passion or drink, betray nothing of the fiendish, bloodthirsty manias that sway him at his dangerous moments. Their opinion agrees with the evidence of his former employers, all of whom testify to his invariably good temper, honesty, and activity when not under the influence of drink. They are further borne out by the military authorities who state that until drunkenness set its seal upon him, he served with credit to himself and to the satisfaction of his superiors. But a year after his admission to the ranks, he began to misconduct himself, and he was sentenced to one year's imprisonment and After his liberation, he was transferred to the punishment battalion in Algeria. He remained there until his final discharge in eighteen sixty on his discharge, Philippe moves to Paris in eighteen sixty. A trail of hideous crimes begin to take place in Paris from 1861, mostly against women of the poorer classes. Paris's most famous detective of the time, Monsieur Claude, is on the case, but despite quite clear descriptions of the killer from the few women who have managed to escape his attack, the terror of Paris, as Philippe becomes known, remains free to kill again. Although, Suspected of 23 killings in Paris alone, for the purpose of conviction, the prosecution focuses on the three latest crimes. Julie Robert. On April eighteenth, 1864, Julie Robert, a prostitute, is found slaughtered in her bed. The scene is a blood-soaked tableau of horror from the Dublin Daily Express, the 3rd of July, 1866, wholesale murder. On the 15th of April, the Commissionary of Police of the Quarter of Dumal was informed that a woman called Julie Robert, aged 30, and lodging in the first floor of a house in the Rue Saint-Joseph, had given no signs of life for two days. On forcing the door, the woman was found dead upon her bed. Her head had been nearly severed from her body with a sharp instrument. Death must have been almost instantaneous. Julie Robert was partly undressed. The murderer, after the crime, had searched the pocket of his victim and the different drawers in the room, but a purse containing one thousand... 300 livers had escaped his notice. Near the bed was found a basin in which the assassin had washed his hands. This case, similar to many other cases found through the vastness of Paris, showed the same hallmarks of murder. The neck was slashed deeply and with no hesitancy. A basin of water nearby was filled with bloody water. The murder victim, one of the many unfortunates attempting to eke out a living in Paris. The next case takes place in November 1864. From the Dublin Daily Express, the 3rd of July 1866. Wholesale murder. The woman, Maj, aged 32 years, lived in the Rue... Saint Antoine in the House of Ill-Fame, with her son, Henry Maj, aged two years. On the 5th of November, 1864, a man with a blouse and cap spoke to her. They went into the house together, but the woman Maj, disliking the man's appearance, gave her money to another woman to hold. Half an hour afterwards, the lodgers heard a man go downstairs, after having thrown the key on the landing. At daybreak, a long streak of blood was seen running from Fleur Maj's window. Her door key found on the landing was handed to Le Mans, the lover of the murdered woman. We'll be back after a quick break. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories On the door being opened, a fearful sight presented itself. The woman, Madge, and her child had been hacked in a manner too horrible to describe. Floor Madge's throat had been cut with a strong hand. Still, she had managed to crawl to the window where she had been seen, but she was unable to call out. The child had evidently cried. He had been stabbed in the mouth. The room had been pillaged. The murderer then flung the two corpses together, got a basin, and washed his hands. The struggle must have been a severe one, for the cat was found crushed between the bed and the wall. There can be no doubt that Philippe committed this double crime— for he was seen by another woman to whom he had spoken on the night in question, walking with flormage, and this girl proved his identity by declaring that the man had on his arm ne sous un molles et al. and Philippe is thus tattooed. Roughly translated, it means born under a bad star. The next Two cases were the ones that would finally enable the capture of Joseph Philippe. From the Dunfermline Saturday Press, the 27th of January, 1866, a Paris tragedy. The murder of the woman in the rue Ville Levuc in Paris has been arrested by the police. Joseph Philippe, for such is the man's name went to the other side of the Seine and attempted to kill another woman, who resisted so strongly that the assassin made off, but was captured after a hot chase in the Rue Jacob. The police at once saw that they had caught no common malefactor, and after a careful search found items that had belonged to Marie-Victoria Bordeaux. The lover of that woman was sent for, and he recognised her purse, which was empty. Philip was taken to the morgue and confronted with his victim, who was lying there in a state of nudity, with her throat fearfully gashed. For some time he withstood this test, but finally he made a clean breast of it. It appears that Marie-Victoria, whilst under the knife of the murderer, kept striking with her hand against the wall, but the neighbours, accustomed to violent scenes in the next room, took no notice of this death signal. Even after Joseph Philippe had left the house, the poor woman managed to crawl to the window, and she was seen by some people in the street to raise herself up and then fall back. They thought the woman was drunk and passed on. Although Philippe was clearly seen by others leaving the scene of the horrific crime, he remains at large. Undaunted, Philippe sets his sights beyond the usual class of prostitutes for his next victim. In January 1866, the police manage to cap Philippe as he escapes from another attempted killing that went wrong. Interestingly, in this case, which eventually caught him, he had changed his usual methodology and based the killing around a robbery. From the Dundee Advertiser, the 2nd of July, 1860, a frightful chapter of crime. 23 murders by one man. On the the 11th of January last, a middle-aged widow lady in Paris, Madame Midi, by profession a painter, narrowly escaped being murdered. A man, who had lately been in her house as a workman in the employment of a frame-maker whom she patronised, was the intended murderer, and he had doubtless been tempted to the deed in order to rob his victim of some small but valuable paintings which had been entrusted to her by a polish prince on january the eleventh he presents himself at the lady's apartment to inquire for a tool he pretends to have left the last time he was working there when the lady replies that she has seen no such tool he draws from beneath his blouse a pillowcase asking whether She can identify this as her property. The lady, wearied of his importunities, turns her head and the intruder flings the pillowcase over it, intending to set to work in his usual manner, namely, to strangle her partially before cutting her throat. In her desperate efforts to free herself from her assailant's grip, Madame Midi firmly sets her teeth in the hand which was endeavouring to stifle her cries fortunately her studio is only divided by a thin partition from another one and the neighbour hearing the noise of a struggle rushes to the rescue he knocks at the door and receiving no answer flings open the window on the landing overlooking the courtyard and shouts for the concierge after which he knocks again this time the door is opened by an individual who, in the coolest way imaginable, tells him, "Uh, Madame Midy has suddenly taken ill. I'm going for the doctor. I don't think it is much. With apparent calmness, he proceeds downstairs, until he hears the cries of Madame Midy, Stop him! Stop him! as he is crossing the courtyard. He then takes to his heels, but in vain, because before he has reached the Rue Jacob. He is arrested. A tremendously long-bladed knife is found upon him, and the search in his room reveals, besides many blood-stained garments, the purse of Marie Bordeaux and the empty razor-case. The police soon identified him as the man who was wanted for a horrid murder committed a few days before, that of Marie Victoria Bordeaux. A little more investigation proved that their prisoner, Joseph Philippe by name, to be one of those great criminals of the jumelade type who committed murder by wholesale, partly from pure bloodthirstiness of nature and partly for the plunder and outrage of their victims. Joseph Philippe selected for his operations the class of unfortunates whose degradation and isolation and the peculiarities of their miserable trade expose them in a high degree to the danger of assassination. The prisoner is the first to have seen in these facts of unfortunates the chance of a living. From the evidence now obtained, it is certain that he did act on a system. More than two years ago he revealed his secrets to one of these females in the weakness of intoxication. "'I love women well,' he said, "'and I do for them well. "'I stuff their mouths and cut their throats. "'Wait a bit and you will hear me talked about. "'What passed for a grim jest has become a too horrid reality.' Several unfortunates had Perished in Paris since 1861, strangled or with their throats cut, but it is only within the last two years that cases have been found in which there is proof against the prisoner. With his being caught red-handed and his subsequent confession at the morgue of the murder of Marie-Victoria Bordeaux, Philippe is brought to trial. Although it is generally believed Philip is responsible for more than 20 killings spread throughout Paris, for the purpose of establishing a conviction, he is tried only on the last four killings. Julie Roger, Claude Mage and her two-year-old son, and Marie Bordeaux. The prosecution feel strongly that the evidence within these four counts of murder is overwhelming. Within the trial, there are upwards of sixty witnesses, including three women who had managed to avoid or escape his advances. Several items found in his lodgings are known to have belonged to various victims and are identified by friends and family throughout the trial. Philippe maintains his composure from a son London, the twenty eighth of June, eighteen sixty six There are upwards of sixty witnesses in support of the charges of murder against Philippe, now in course of investigation, before the Court of Assizes in La Seine. The evidence first taken by the Court was in reference to the murder of the girl Julie Robert, called, for distinction's sake, the murder of the Rue Saint-Joseph, Several articles found in the prisoner's lodgings were identified as having belonged to the deceased girl. The president put questions having reference to all the five murders for which the prisoner is being tried. The result is that he acknowledges some and denies the others. The president asked him to give details regarding them. The prisoner replied, All this confuses me. I should be afraid of not telling the truth if I were to seek to recall to memory old recollections now nearly effaced from it. As expected, Philippe is found guilty, and Paris breathes a sigh of relief. From the Dublin Evening Post, the 30th of June, 1866, trial for murder... In France, the trial for the murderer Philippe has been brought to a close, and the man who a week ago was smoking cigarettes in his cell is now condemned to death for having assassinated Marie Victoria Bordeaux and attempting to kill widow Midi. The prisoner was accused in the indictment of of having also murdered a woman called Maj and her child, and a girl, Julie Robert. Philippe acknowledged the first two crimes, but called God to witness that the murders of 1864 were not his work, and the jury acquitted him on those counts. Although the circumstantial evidence ran very strongly against the prisoner, and there were many points of resemblance between those murders and the ones he confessed to. On every possible occasion, Philippe protested that he was no robber, and he repeated this assertion when asked what he had to say after he was condemned to death. He heard sentence passed without showing any symptom of emotion, and had instructed his counsel not to plead for his life, as it was his wish to die. It is generally supposed that Philippe had slaughtered twenty-three women of bad reputation, but out of the lot only four crimes were selected by the public prosecutor, and in two cases the prosecution broke down. So great is the difficulty of obtaining clues to the murder of women in the habit of receiving strangers. All that could be said in defence of Philippe was that he drank absinthe, and that it was under the influence of this noxious liquor that he committed the fearful crimes charged to him. Philippe, during the trial, showed the greatest self-possession. He spoke of the widow Midi as a respectable woman, who would not have listened to his advances, and it is not improbable that had he confined his propensities to women not held respectable, he might still have been at large. His attempt on a respectable woman led to his apprehension and will lead to his death. The defence pleads homicidal mania, the result of erotic epilepsy the force of bad example and the consequent impulse to the imitation of two other murders of unfortunates who were, however, prompted by different motives, the one by greed, pure and simple, and the other by a kind of revenge on the whole of the sex, too horrid to be mentioned. The jury refused to be influenced by the plea, and in giving their verdict omit any and every mention of extenuating circumstances. The death of Joseph Philippe Philippe is thirty-four at the time of his death. As he awaits his meeting with Madame Guillotine, stories are recounted of his last days in his cell. Apparently he is tormented by terrible nightmares every night. It is the general belief that his nightly torment is the spirits of the many women he has killed. Joseph Philippe's name, which was infamous in its day both in France and England, comes back to prominence twenty-five years later, as police scour the streets to find the identity of Jack the Ripper from the evening news the 12th of october 1888 joseph philippe was but thirty-four when he was guillotined he met his death like a man in fact psychologists have since declared that the reaction which set in after his capture was tantamount to the wish of having done with life as soon as possible he knew that if even his life was spared There would be no chance of indulging the fiendish cravings that during the latter years had been the sole incentive to live. Drink was necessary to him to drown the frightful apparitions that, according to some of his employers, haunted him already before his arrest, and he knew that drink could not be obtained. That concludes this episode of Serial Killer Saturday's The French Ripper. We very much hope you enjoyed the show. If you did enjoy the show, we will be grateful if you could like or subscribe to our little channel. We upload five days a week. Mondays are murderous as we delve into the dark side of Regency and Victorian crime. Wednesdays are wicked, where we pull together stories with a similar theme, such as Doctors of Death. Fridays are frightful, where we look at crimes in a location, such as stories from the stage to murder and scandal in the aristocracy. Saturdays is serial killer Saturdays, where we investigate serial killer stories from the past. And Sundays is a bit of fun with the unique mini-murder mystery where you, the listener, have a chance to solve a murderous riddle. On the last Sunday of the month, we offer a two-hour compilation of stories based around a theme. Thank you again for watching and listening. This has been News of the Times, and I am Robin Coles.